Chapter 37 Missing Memories I'm disappointed in you, Tristan. I was back in the dark, moldy hallways with two torches floating alongside me. My feet walked forward automatically, and a voice slinked out of the shadows. Real disappointed. Yeah, well, get in line, I muttered. Disappointing people is kind of my thing. More victims were chained against the walls now. Midfolk and Alkians, they were crammed against one another, and just like last time, I couldn't stop to try to help them. My feet moved me past until finally I arrived at the same rotten wooden door. Inside, the old lantern hissed before the flame flickered to life, just barely. More of those blurry, shriveled white flowers recoiled out of the thin light, rolling to the far corner where something moved. It was like seeing something out of the corner of your eye and never quite getting a good look at it. Just a shadow, and yet something more. Uncle C. I told you I'd come for you, the haint said. He almost sounded apologetic. I told you, and you didn't listen. Now your precious hideout is burning, and I'm going to hunt down all your little friends and put all their miserable hides with the rest of my collection. His voice lowered to a hiss that merged with the lantern's struggling flame. I asked for one thing. One. And you trying to play me like I can't take everything you love. You think it's a game? Maybe I've been too lenient. Maybe you need some inspiration. The lantern flame finally sputtered out, and darkness flooded over me, carrying the sound of rustling and the smell of death. The hairs on the back of my neck stood up, and an invisible rope snaked around my arms and legs. I couldn't get away or move at all, and a violent wind ripped past me, snatching and grabbing at my clothes. It whipped into my eyes and swirled around my head, and an image of Eddie scribbling in his journal popped into my mind. Another followed, this one of him laughing at some joke I'd just made. More scenes appeared, and they swirled around my head just like the wind, and, and then, they were out of reach. I could remember something. I could feel the empty space where the memories used to be, but everything else, the specifics, they were gone. Except for one, a bush crash, a feeble hand reaching for help. What did you do? I whispered. I will end you, boy. Uncle C hissed. But before I do, I'm going to make you suffer. I'm going to rip away everything you hold dear. All the memories of your little friend, mine now. The only picture you can cling to is of you failing to be a hero. And all them friends you made, all them gods with all their powers, they ain't going to help you. I'm going to pluck your recollections out one by one and leave you with nothing but dust. The hiss grew into a shout by the time he was finished. A great pressure, like the weight of the entire world, landed on my shoulders, and it took every ounce of my strength not to buckle under it and sink to the floor. It grew heavier and heavier, and just when I thought I couldn't take it any longer, Uncle C sighed and the weight disappeared. Unless you give me what I want. What is that? I asked exhausted. Ah, uh, do I really gotta spell it out for you, boy? That fancy box everybody's all in a tiff about. You bring that to me, 
and I'll give back your precious little book, and nobody's got to get hurt. You hear me? It's on you now, Tristan. Give me what I want, and you can save everybody. The story box? Everyone wanted the power of that thing. But why? Before I could respond, the invisible rope yanked at me again, and I was dragged backward out of the room, Uncle C's last words following me into the hallway. You want to be a hero, right? And then I was back at the entrance, staring into the dark, two torches floating alongside me. I took a deep breath, then another, just as I heard an exasperated sigh. Hey, genius, somebody said sadly. You're still talking to the wrong one. I squeezed my eyes tight. That voice sounded familiar. I knew it. I knew it. I... Eddie. It was Eddie's voice. The haint had taken some of my dearest memories, but I clung to what I had left. I don't know what that means, I whispered. Uncle C? Who? Who's the wrong one? You're still talking to the wrong one. I don't know what that means, I shouted into the darkness. The only answer was silence. Tristan? I opened my eyes to see Gumbaby's head inches from mine. She held my face in one sticky hand, and the other was stretched behind her, as if she were seconds away from smacking the taste buds out of my mouth. I narrowed my eyes. Don't you dare smack! Ow! I yelled. What was that for? You wasn't moving, Gumbaby shrugged. Ain't no time for sleep, Bumbletongue. Gum baby got missions and stuff. I slowly became aware that I was back on the polished stage inside Ishinlangu, not watching the thicket burn, not being threatened by Uncle C in a nightmare. I was in the ridge. Everyone was staring at me, the elders, the Yamakira, Dandiwe, even Ayana and Chestnut were looking at me weirdly. High John stood apart from us with his arms crossed, in the same position he'd been in before, but now, instead of a smile, he wore a scowl. He met my eyes, and I recoiled from the centuries-old fury rolling in his gaze. But just for a second, something else flickered there. Confusion? Tristan, you all right? Chestnut asked. I shook my head and tried to catch up mentally. My mind was foggy. I'd had a best friend once, back home. What was his name again? Eddie? I vaguely remembered letting him down somehow. There'd been a lot of pain. Tristan? Ayana called. I took a breath and pulled myself together. Apparently no one had noticed that High John and I had disappeared for a while. In the stories, he took slaves' spirits on trips of happiness and joy and wonder, all while their bodies remained on the plantation and continued to work. I guess that's what he'd done to me, though I couldn't say the trip was a happy one. Tristan! Gumbaby shouted. What? You standing there drooling, that's what. They about to hand over what we came for, and you like a frog on a log. And Gumbaby hates frogs. Are you even listening? Gumbaby scrambled to my shoulder and grabbed my ear. Can you hear, Gumbaby? Oh, no wonder. You really need to clean your ears out. Hey, I brushed her off and she slid down to the floor and folded her arms. 
I cleared my throat. Sorry. I just... Sorry. Continue. I'm here. I mean, I'm listening. Two ridgefolk guards flanked a large, cloth-covered object. My throat tightened. The chief elder stood, and so did the rest of the ancestors, the Amakira's humming chant still powering their ghostly presence. As I was saying, Fazil said, High John has relinquished his demand for Naomi's story box. I gawked. High John shrugged, but anger still lined his face. Anger and embarrassment. Before we hand it over to you, champions of Midpass, a request must be honored. Thandiwe, step forward. The tall girl moved to the center of the stage and extended her hoverboard to the Amakira. The diviner tied something to its middle, all the while stepping from foot to foot and humming. When she was done, the older woman gave the forebear back to Thandiwe, slipping it on her arm like a... A shield? I asked out loud. Wait, why a shield? The answer hit me just as Thandiwe grinned and tied a beaded wrap around her head. I shall be coming with you. Anansi owes all of Isnlangu an explanation, she sniffed, and to show you midfolk how to fight, of course. Gumbaby rolled her eyes. Girl, please. Hush, Gumbaby, Ayana said. Then she smiled at Thandiwe. The two had become fast friends since our arrival, which made sense, because they were a lot alike. We need all the help we can get. Then take the story box, the chief elder commanded. I hope your plans succeed, for all our sakes. The tone of the spirit's voice caught my attention. It seemed like there was something he wasn't telling us. Before I could ask any questions, however, the Amakira stopped moving and humming. The elders began to fade away. The oldest leaders of the ridge folk, still guiding and inspiring their people even after death, had stared at me with such intensity that it was almost a relief when they were gone. Well, y'all gonna open it? High John's draw broke the spell. I cleared my throat and nodded at Thandiwe. Why don't you do the honors? She shrugged. With an unceremonious yank, she pulled off the covering and tossed it aside. Everyone gasped. I'd expected a shining golden treasure chest like the one in Chestnut's drawing, or a diamond-encrusted, velvet-lined case. Even a fake leather trunk would have been acceptable. High John gave an angry little snort and shook his head. He shoved his hands in his pockets and hopped down off the stage. Yeah, y'all can keep all that. Gum Baby threw her little hands up with so much anger sap flew through across the stage. What sort of soggy garbage is this mess? An old brown crate covered in layers of dust with sagging hinges and a partially splintered lid sat there. Thandiwe looked at each of us, puzzled. You didn't know? This is how Anansi brought it to us. It's empty. <laughs>